Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. So, several years ago, a friend of mine was uh, returning from a business trip and uh, in a city uh, up, uh, up, up in San Francisco. And uh, he was returning from a, a business trip, and uh, he took a cab to go home. And uh, as they were driving along, they came upon a, a, a group of city employees standing around a work project, and there were signs that said, Minute Work. And there were half a dozen guys that are just standing there. So he says to the cabbie, he says, hey, you want to have some fun? And the cabbie said, sure. He says, okay, just pull over and wait for me. So he reaches into his bag. He pulls out his camera. He doesn't even have any film in it. He jumps out of the cab and starts snapping pictures of these guys just standing around. He said, you never saw six guys move so fast in your life. He jumped back in the cab and they zipped off. Minute work. Right. We laugh at that because we know what minute work should be. If you're going to put a sign out there that says minute work and people are actually there and there's work to be done, you would expect them to be working, right? Yeah, is that that an unreasonable expectation? Where do we see signs that say faith at work? And if you were around a sign that said, faith at work, faith at work, that's right, you're backwards from me, faith at work, what would you be doing? What would that act of faith, that work of faith, look like in your life? Of course, this is uh, uh, one of the big controversies in the book of James. If you have your Bible, open it, if you would, to the second chapter of of the book of James As we said before, James is a kind of a midterm exam for us as Christians. It gives us an opportunity like in the life of a believer. And as we work through James, it 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 kind of smarts a little bit because we know, at least I know, that faith at work in my life ought to be a whole lot more active than it is. And so as we go through and we read what thing, it said that uh, the job of a pastor is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. <laughs> yeah. And of course, all of this is so controversial Because Martin Luther lobbied like crazy to have James removed from the Bible. Because, of course, for, but but we, because James talks about faith at work. And for Martin Luther, of course, salvation is free. You can't earn that. What we recognize now is that the conversation that Paul was having when he wrote verses like, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of works, it is a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. 
was a very different conversation at a different time with different people than James is having when he writes, My brothers, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive you. Do what it says. So there's this conflict that continues in the church today with regard to works righteousness or faith righteousness and how it is that we live out our faith and what does it look like. And as somebody once said, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? We're about halfway through the second chapter of James. This is what he writes. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if a person claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him or her? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him or her, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about the physical need, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, well, you have faith, I have deeds. You show me your faith without deeds, I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish people. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone in the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Hard words to hear. And in some instances, you say, well, wait, there's a direct direct contradiction here in Scripture. When, when, When... Paul writes, by faith alone you are saved. And, uh, uh, and here James says that a person is justified by what he does, not by faith alone. So there you go. People say that there are errors and contradictions in the Bible. That's one of them right there. And so why do I believe? Why, why should I believe a, a word that has uh, contradictory statements in it? Well, we need to understand, again, that there are different conversations going on. And we need to take some time to unpack it and think a little bit more deeply about what is actually being said and how it applies in our lives. What does... ...person that claims to have faith but no deeds, can such a faith, uh, can such a faith save them? And 
A friend of mine used to say, my concern as a, as a, as a, as a pastor and as a chaplain is with bread and butter issues. I want to take care of people at the, at the base need uh, where they are. You know what? We, we need people like that. We absolutely need people like that. What James is asking here is, what does it really mean for us to have faith? Is, 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 is faith some kind of uh, fire insurance? So that if when I shuffle off this mortal coil and I find that there, that there really is a God and there really is an eternal judgment, I can bring out my passport and say, Jesus, says, Jesus stamped my passport, I'm, I'm, I'm good. If that's all your faith is, is that a faith that's really worth having? And I want to say that the answer is no. Because that's no faith at all. That's not honoring to God. It's not honoring to yourself. You who are created in the image of God. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. We've talked about this uh, in a a number of different ways, and James is not going to let us off the hook here uh, very easily. We are saved by grace. Yay. We, We are saved by the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. That is a gift that is available to every single person who has ever been born. I like to think of, I like to think of salvation as, as presents under a Christmas tree. Remember, remember Christmas when you were a kid? And you got up and you, and you ran and you looked at the packages and to, to see... ...you did? Or... or, or the hard lesson to learn that, that, that big things come in small packages? Because you want a present this big or a present this big? It all depends on what's in it. There's a gift out there. It's a gift under that tree for every single person. And it is the gift of salvation made available to everyone. The unfortunate truth is that in the final judgment, in the fullness of time, we're going to see presents that were never, un, never unopened. The people never took the gift. They never received the gift. They never acknowledged who Jesus is and said, yes, I recognize the sin in my own life and I recognize what you did on the cross and I thank you that I don't have to be on some kind of a, a merit. Always going to fall short. I trust in the completed work of Jesus Christ. And the appropriate response is, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But that's just the starting point. That's the redemption part. That's the, uh, uh, if, you, if you want to step up in your theological language, uh, that's the justification part. And we talked about that when we went through Romans, that there was a forensic declaration that was made by God in, in, the, in the ultimate court uh, uh, his court, where he says, not guilty, you are righteous through my son, Jesus Christ. It is an imputed righteousness. It is, doesn't mean that we're perfect. It just means that we're forgiven. And that puts us on a path of restoration and transformation. 
So we don't earn our salvation. God is not looking for us to earn anything. And while God is opposed to those who think that they can earn their salvation through their good works, he is not opposed to effort. There's a difference between effort and earning. You can't earn your salvation, but you can put forth effort into perfecting your faith. And that perfecting of one's faith comes through transformation. And we become people who are transformed as we engage in things like spiritual disciplines. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. Yeah, I'm good on time. Uh, but, um, But recognize the difference. God is giving us an opportunity to be involved in the restoration of creation. Now, granted, we're only going to get so far. Can be the man that God created me to be is to continue in that process of transformation so that I can be a part of the restoration. Because if I'm not a part of the solution, I'm a part of the problem. And I think that's what James is saying here. There was this, there was this idea, and it was, it, they grappled with it. Remember that, that, that James is, he's thoroughly Jewish. He's the head of the church in Jerusalem. And, and there's this huge fight going on uh, within, within Judaism. And remember that Christianity, the way, is a sect of Judaism. And there's this fight going on because as the Gentiles are being, being brought in, that they don't need to adhere to the law. And that just doesn't say. teaching that began to emerge that if we are saved by grace and it doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter how we can live our lives. We can do whatever we want to. It's called anti-law. Antinomianism was the heresy. I, I, I can live without the law because, you know, the, 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 the more I sin, the more grace is going to be poured out upon me. And who doesn't want more grace? Yay. And, 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 Paul says, no, no, a thousand times no. James says, no, no, a thousand times no. Our faith, if it is genuine, is going to make a difference in our lives. And when it makes a difference in our lives, it makes a difference in our families. It makes a difference in our churches. It makes a difference in our community. That's what James is talking about. my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. When I first learned that verse, it was in the uh, New American Standard. Uh, in the New American Standard Bible, it says, uh, you, believe in, you believe in God, good for you. Good. The demons believe and they tremble. It's not enough just to believe that there, that there is out there who are angry with God. Really, they're angry with human beings who are created in the image of God, who pass them off, pass themselves off as God's servants. 
That's what I think anyway. I mean, there was one gentleman, he's passed away now, Christopher Hitchens. Anybody remember Christopher Hitchens? Yeah, Christopher Hitchens, uh, 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 he, he was a real likable guy, and he was on the college, uh, 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 the college speaking. There and, and, and make you defend your faith without ever having to defend what he believed. He wrote a book, How Religion Poisons Everything. I mean, he was just, but the kids loved him because he was, uh, he was kind of cavalier and he had, yeah, he always went, he went out drinking with the kids after the debates. Uh, he had two requirements when he would debate someone. He had two requirements. And if these requirements were violated, the debate was over. Are you ready for this? Number one, a tumbler of scotch on my platform. Number two, no questions or comments about my mother. Now, why would, why? Well, do you think it would have anything to do with the fact that his mother was a church organist that ran off with a pastor and they committed a murder-suicide pact? Do you think that might not make someone just a little bit angry with the church and, and, and the God that that church represents? His brother was a believer. He says, pray for my brother. He needs prayer. There are people out there that believe in God, but they don't want anything to do with God. And there are demons who believe and they tremble. So believing is a little bit different than acting on that belief. You believed when you came in this morning that you sat down on the pews that they would hold your weight. And you sat down because you trusted that they would do that. By the way, there's one over here that's a little wiggy. I think we get some glue on that one. <laughs> you put your faith into action every single day. You get in the car. You expect it to start. It starts. Yay. If it doesn't, oh, my gosh, we have to troubleshoot it. Faith is lived out experience. It makes a difference in our lives. And that's what James is saying here. Your faith has to make a difference in your life. What You foolish people... Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? And then he gives us these two illustrations of, of, of Abraham and Rahab. Oh, my gosh. Could you, could you, in your wildest imagination, come up with two more diametrically opposed examples? I mean, Abraham. We're talking about the father of a nation. Who, who, was, who was given a promise, and only uh, he was given a promise that, that his descendants would be more numerous than the stars in the sky and the sand on the beach. And, and, and that... All he saw was one son, and that son he was asked to sacrifice. And he was obedient because he trusted in God. God stayed his hand. Yay. But what we, don't, what we need to remember is that back then, child sacrifice was common and acceptable. He was not being asked to do anything that uh, the other religions weren't being asked to And some have said that, that in, doing, in doing that, stopped child sacrifice. No more. Not in my kingdom. Abraham believed, and this was years before there was any law. Abraham believed, and it was reckoned unto him as righteousness. 
And what's at the far other end of the spectrum? From, from the father of the, of, the, of the nation. Well, how about a pagan whore? Excuse me. Can I say that in church? Excuse me. She was a prostitute. Rahab uh, in Jericho. I mean, that's, how do you get any further away from the father of a nation? And yet Rahab heard about the power of the God of the Israelites and said, I want to be on their team. And so when the spies came in, she hid them out and sent the, 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 the people who were looking for the spies in the opposite direction. She and her family were saved. There was action and there was belief. There was trust because there was hope. And that's what we represent to the world today through our actions and our beliefs is hope. We're watching things fall apart around us. There has never been a greater need for hope than today. That there's a better life somewhere. Why do you think that there's, a, there's a, an event going on right now where 3,000 uh, women and children are trying, to get, they're trying to smuggle them out of Afghanistan before it completely falls to the Taliban? Because it's hope. And this is an endeavor that's being done by the church. But again, we don't hear those kinds of things. We hear all the negative stuff. And we fail to remember that there's positive stuff going on because God's church is at work. Faith at work. One of these days, I'll get that down. The body without the spirit is dead. So faith without deeds is dead. So many scriptures come to mind. I I think of Jesus and his disciples. And he said, a new commandment I give to you, a new commandment. Love one another. As I love you, you must love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How did Jesus love us? We've talked about this. You're probably tired of me saying it, but I'm not tired of saying it. Because as much as I need to say it, as much as you need to hear it. He loved us through service and sacrifice. Be willing to be the least in the kingdom of God. Through your service and your sacrifice. What is our working definition of love here, people? Yes. To will the good of another. To will the good of another. So important. Paul reminds us, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. 1 Corinthians 13, what is love? Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking. I'm still on. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? By the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, in in my Bible, because, you know, uh, uh, punctuation 
changes down through the years. And when the Bible was written, there was no punctuation at all. My, my daughter did a, a master's thesis on evolution of punctuation and how it changes the interpretation of the works of Shakespeare. Uh, that's how important punctuation is. Have you ever thought about this? You go to your Bible, uh, uh, Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is... And the first fruit of the Spirit is love. And then there's a comma, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I, I, I say this to you all the time. The fruit of the Spirit, what does it look like? What does faith at work look like in our lives? I think it looks a lot like the fruit of the Spirit. What would happen if instead of a comma, we put a, a colon or a semicolon uh, after the word love? The fruit of the Spirit is love. What is love? Well, love is to will the good of another. What is love? Love is sacrifice. Well, what does that look like? Well, I think it looks a lot like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love is the, is the tangible reflection of, of what we say we believe. And then, of course, at the center of all this controversy over whether or not, uh, 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 you know, it's works or faith is, is Ephesians 2, 8 and, 2, 8 and 10, 2, 8 through 10. And I've told you this before. When I first memorized these verses, I was told to memorize verses 2, 8 and 9. 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast. But you got to read verse 10, because verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. We are to be out there. We are to be living our faith out loud. What does that look like? What does it look like for you to live your faith out loud? Well, it's going to be different for each one of us, but... in different gifts from the Holy Spirit while we share in the fruit of the Spirit. So whatever our gift of the Spirit is, is marked by how we conduct and exercise that gift bedded in the fruit of the Spirit. Do I do it lovingly? Do I do it joyfully? Do I do it patiently? Patience. If I'd have wanted patience, I'd have been a doctor. I know that's what you're thinking. Remember, James told us earlier that we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Sometimes faith at work looks like patience. Oh, we need to listen twice as much as we need to speak. We got two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as you speak. And then you can go further and say that not only is there one mouth, but God put two guards over that one mouth, teeth and lips. (laughs) I'm just saying. 
What does it look like? How do you live your faith out loud? I had a, I had a plan. Okay, we're at 10 o'clock. Let me just finish this up real quickly because this was a great plan and it fell apart. Uh, it was, but it was still a great plan. I had a plan that what would it look like if, if we could change the conversation within the community? We, we, you know, here at Graham, we're mission oriented and we've got mission. We have missionaries all over the world. And uh, you've had a, a rush of missions these, these past couple of weeks. Uh, today we heard uh, from my good friend Raul. Last week we had Steve Curry here. Week before that we had Achi here. And uh, I'm not going to tell you who's going to be here next week because I don't know. No, there's, there's, it's it for a while. But we have other missions that, that we're involved in around the world. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if every single person in the congregation personally adopted a mission? What, and what would that look like? Now, I'm not saying that, that, that you, here's, here's what I'm saying that it would look like. That if you adopted a mission, of, and, and we have many, and, and they go beyond that as well. But if you adopted a personal mission, then it would be your goal to find out everything that you could about that mission and about its needs. And first and foremost, pray for them. And if you are able to support them. But that would be secondary. Primarily is to become a cheerleader for that particular mission, whatever it is. And wouldn't that be a cool part of the, of the conversation in the community where, where all of you today say, wow, that Pastor David, he's really on to something. I'm going to do that. How about you? Are you willing to do that? Yeah, I'll do that too. Great. I'm going to ask you next week. Where, how, how are you doing? Have you selected a mission yet that you want to champion? No, no, not yet. I'm still looking. I'm, I'm down to two or three, but I'm narrowing it in. Okay, I'm going to keep asking until you do. And then once you do, I'm going to tell you the one that, I've, that I have championed. And then, and then we have this conversation. How are things going with your mission? Oh, let me tell you. Right now, they're really struggling because of this. Oh, man, I can pray with you for that. That's, how about you? How, what's going on in your mission? Well, right now, my mission is doing this great thing. And it's like, oh, that's great. Let's just praise God and thank God for that. Would that not be cool if that were a dominant conversation on Sunday morning? As we gathered to worship, people talking to one another about the missions that they are supporting, living their faith out loud. And here's the cool part. And I'll finish with this. I promise. This translates so easily into the rest of your life. Because when you see a friend, what's the one thing you can count on them asking you? How are you? I'm great. You. you. You are? Let me tell you what we're doing. I have personally adopted a mission or a ministry. What are you talking about? Well, just bear with me a little bit. You have an opportunity to explain to that friend. It doesn't matter who they are, what they believe, because this is who you are and what you believe. And you're given an opportunity at that moment to live your faith out loud. And you can tell them in very tangible ways how it is that you're learning about that mission, how you are supporting that mission. By the way, supporting that mission through prayer, even financially, those are parts of the fruit, uh, parts of the uh, spiritual exercises. Uh, you can read scripture. How does my mission tie into scripture? And, and you start spreading that word amongst your non-Christian friends. And they think, you're a kook. And you know what? I'm okay being a kook for Christ because I want to live my faith out loud in a way that lets people know that I know what I believe, I know why it matters. And I really hope that you know what you believe and know why it matters as well. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. 
my charge and my challenge to you is to ask yourselves a question. What is God calling me to do? The opportunities to live one's faith out loud abound. This is the time to step up. Not because you're earning favor with God. He loves you more than you'll ever know this side of eternity. But it's a way to share that love with others. And if you already are serving, you already know what God is calling you to do, then share that with your friends. Let people know that you are living your faith out loud. People are looking for authentic faith, authentic community. And when they see it, their hearts are kindled and their hope remains alive. And who doesn't want to kindle hope in another person's life? To me, that's kingdom living at its best.